Outsiders visit Dunwich as seldom as possible, and since a certain season of horror, all the signboards pointing towards it have been taken down. The scenery, judged by any ordinary aesthetic canon, is more than commonly beautiful, yet there's no influx of artists or summer tourists. Two centuries ago, when talk of witch blood, Satan worship, and strange forest presences was not laughed at, it was the custom to give reasons for avoiding the locality. In our sensible age, since that Dunwich horror of 1928 was hushed up by those who had the towns and the world's welfare at heart, people shun it without knowing exactly why. Perhaps one reason, though it cannot apply to uninformed strangers, is that the natives are now repellently decadent, having gone far along that path of retrogression so common in many New England backwaters. They've come to form a race by themselves, with the well-defined mental and physical stigmata of degeneracy and inbreeding. The average of their intelligence is woefully low, whilst their annals reek of overt viciousness and of half-hidden murders, incests, and deeds of almost unnameable violence and perversity. The old gentry, representing the two or three armigerous families which came from Salem in 1692, have kept somewhat above the general level of decay, though many branches are sunk into the sordid populace so deeply that only their names remain as a key to the origin they disgrace. Some of the Waitleys and bishops still send their eldest sons to Harvard and Miskatonic, though those sons seldom return to the moldering gambrel roofs under which they and their ancestors were born. Welcome to another episode of Opening the Way, a podcast for fans of Cthulhu Wars. My name's Graham, and I'll be your host. Hope you're doing well wherever you are. I'm sitting around trying to bask in the spooky season for as long as possible. I don't have a lot of small talk for today's episode because I've been recording before work. I'm very excited to make this one, maybe my favorite episode I've made so far. And that's because we are covering the Dunwich Horror Neutral Expansion. I read a little bit in the intro there from this story, and I'm going to be not shy about doing that throughout the episode. This expansion is based on the story of the same name by H.P. Lovecraft that was published in 1928. Definitely my favorite of all of his stories, and it's not particularly close. This is a story about a family, the Waitleys, and their doings in the town of Dunwich and some of the really bad stuff that ended up happening in 1928. The story's great. I'll take some time in the intro to tell you why, maybe instead of doing a little bit of small talk. If you've read a lot of Lovecraft's other stories, they tend to be kind of cryptic and maybe... There are things that are really bad that are being hinted at, and they're not actually being directly seen or referenced. So, like, one example would be Call of Cthulhu, maybe his most famous story. Not until the end of the story does stuff actually seem to be happening. A lot of it is reading articles that are collected. It's not so with Dunwich. Right from the beginning of the story, you get the sense that this family is doing some really bad stuff. And in particular, 
Wilbur Waitley, you know right from the beginning, is not human. Something is very off about him. And it just gets worse and worse as the story goes on. If you haven't read the story, maybe take a break, pause this episode, and go give it a read and come back or uh, listen to it. Because there's definitely multiple videos of the entirety of it on YouTube. And uh, I've also seen it in podcast form, though I can't remember offhand which podcast that was. Let's talk about the expansion itself. This expansion contains the whole Waitley clan. We've got Lavinia Waitley, we've got Wilbur Waitley, her son, we've got Old Wizard Waitley, Lavinia's dad, Wilbur's grandfather, we've got Junior Waitley, which, spoilers, probably read the end of the Dunwich Horror, I did tell you to do that if you hadn't done it already. And we've also got an independent great old one, the Dire Yog Sototh. This is Cthulhu Wars' first clan, that's a new concept. Let me read you the exact rules on clans and how they're used. Clan is a group of unique beings which may be of any type, but are added to the game as a group. In this case, we've got three cultists and a terror with the Waitleys and Junior. How do you recruit people from the clan? In the Doom phase, in player order, each faction can choose to recruit one Waitley member. To do so, they must pay that Waitley's cost. They all cost power and not Doom in this case. If the recruited Waitley is not in play, place it on the map as the new owner wishes. You can recruit a Waitley that's already in play. In this case, the former owner hands over the relevant loyalty card, but the miniature remains in play at its current location. That Waitley is now yours until possibly the next Doom phase. So I'm going to be doing something a little bit different with this episode. Typically, I have had multiple reps in with anything that I've talked about on the podcast. In this case, I actually haven't played with the Dunwich Horror expansion at all. I have some people in my group trying to get them to play with this expansion, and I'm going to try to do a bit of a before and after, a little bit of a time skip in the middle of this episode. Right away, that way of recruiting the Waitleys in the Doom phase, that's different from how the other neutral least the neutral monsters work. You can only buy one at a time, that's the same. The Waitleys don't cost any doom, notably, that's important. And you can kind of like steal them out from under somebody in the following doom phase, if you feel like it. That is a big wrinkle in how these can work, and I think as I'm doing my initial kind of evaluation of these, I also need to keep in mind like using them in combination with each other because that seems like a lot more of a possibility that that can happen versus like just playing with a pile of neutrals. I'm probably not buying more than two neutral monsters at the absolute most because they're going to cost me two doom apiece. That's four doom. That's almost one sixth of my total to win the game. That's a lot. These don't cost doom. They only cost power. And the other thing to keep in mind is everybody except junior is also a cultist. So Yes, they cost power to buy and to steal from people, but they are also, three of them, are providing you with power during Gather Power, and that's pretty unique, and we shouldn't forget that as we start to talk about these. Not too much else more to say, I will just get into it starting with our first cultist. 
She was a lone creature given to wandering amidst thunderstorms in the hills and trying to read the great odorous books which her father had inherited through two centuries of Waitleys, and which were fast falling to pieces with age and wormholes. She had never been to school, but was filled with disjointed scraps of ancient lore that old Waitley had taught her. The remote farmhouse had always been feared because of old Waitley's reputation for black magic, and the unexplained death by violence of Mrs. Waitley when Lavinia was 12 years old had not helped make the place popular. Isolated among strange influences, Lavinia was fond of wild and grandiose daydreams and singular occupations, nor was her leisure much taken up by household cares in a home from which all standards of order and cleanliness had long since disappeared. Yes, our first clan member to discuss, our first cultist to discuss, is Lavinia Waitley. She costs two power to recruit, and she's got a combat of zero. I know in the last episode I said I would credit everybody for their sculpts going forward. I actually still don't know who made these because it was not in the crazy Super Omega Final rulebook. Whoever the individuals were that sculpted these, or person, great job. These are all amazing. Yeah, Lavinia, she just looks like a pretty normal-looking lady. Can't tell that she's... In the story, she's an albino. She just looks purple here. Looks like she's holding some big crystal above her head. That's kind of cool. Not wearing a shirt. A little risque here, actually. But the wind is blowing just the right way. So it's PG-13. The ability on Lavinia is Bride of the Old Ones. It's an ongoing ability... If Lavinia shares an area with any great old one of any faction at the start of an action, she's immune to kills, pains, or eliminations until after that action ends. She also has a second ability, Mother of Monsters, which is in the Doom phase. If you control Lavinia, pay half as much power and or Doom for any independent great old one, neutral monster, terror, cultist, or clan member you acquire, round it up. So the first thing that jumps out to me about Lavinia, she does cost only two power, so that's only one more than a normal cultist, and she is going to be providing you power herself. That's nice, so pretty cheap. Bride of the Great Old One seems pretty nice to me on the surface. It seems like as long as you're hanging out with your Great Old One, she can pretty much soak up a kill. Note that it says she's immune to kills. It doesn't say, like, Lavinia can't be assigned a kill, so... If she's in a battle with your great old one and someone rolls exactly one kill, these are the only units you have in the area, you can just stick it on Lavinia and your great old one can survive. That seems pretty handy. I would be careful about assigning her a pain though, especially if Madness is in the game. If you end up separating her from a great old one, she seems kind of unremarkable when she's not next to one. Another thing to keep in mind about all these clan members that are cultists, if you don't have monsters or great old ones protecting them, they can just be captured. So you really don't want that to happen, especially if you're paying a little bit extra for these special cultists here. The Mother of Monsters ability is pretty interesting. I think it makes it a lot easier to get more clan members, but also... Buying neutrals at half the cost seems pretty appealing, especially the Doom. It makes it a lot more enticing to buy more monsters than you normally would. When I play with this expansion with my group, I definitely plan on including like a handful of other neutrals too, because I do think the gameplay with these is going to be 
enhanced by having more neutrals in the game. If you do have Lavinia already and nobody steals her from you in the following Doom phase, buying another clan member at half cost is going to be nice too. So yeah, like I said, I'm going to try to keep in mind buying more of these and how they will interact with each other. Wilbur only costs 3 power and Old Man Waitley only costs 2 power, but Junior costs 4, so getting Junior at a discount of 2 instead of 4 seems like a great deal if you've already got Junior's mom in play. What factions like Lavinia? I think this one's just going to be generally useful. Probably the defensive factions, I would think, get the most mileage out of this if you're just hunkering down with like Ubo Sothla and you have Lavinia. They're going to have to try really hard to like actually kill your Great Old One because as long as you keep her with Ubo, for example, or I don't know, maybe Haster, as long as they get pain together and they're in the same area, you're going to have to roll multiple kills to really get the job done. Generally useful to all factions, I would say. That's my guess anyway. That's all for Lavinia. I'll move on to our next clan member. Old Waitley drove his sleigh through the snow into Dunwich Village and discoursed incoherently to a group of loungers at Osborne's general store. There seemed to be a change in the old man, an added element of furtiveness in the clouded brain which subtly transformed him from an object to a subject of fear, though he was not one to be perturbed by any common family event. Amidst it all, he showed some trace of pride later noticed in his daughter, and what he said of the child's paternity was remembered by many hearers years afterwards. Our second cultist that we have to discuss is Old Man Waitley. The sculpt for this one is super cool. If you saw the teaser for this expansion from Peterson Games, it was kind of the back of this one facing away. But yeah, looking at the front, you've got Old Man Waitley sitting in a chair. He looks very much like one game designer who designed this game, Sandy Peterson. He's holding a skull, last poor Yorick style. No, not really. It looks a little bit more threatening than that. And he's got a big, nasty, crawling, I don't even know, centipede-looking thing behind him. Uh, it doesn't really have any legs except for two big talon-looking claws in front of it. I really like this one. I love the pose that he's given. He's just kind of making a menacing, scary old man pose, so... This may be my favorite one, but I'm sure I'll go back on that multiple times. Old Wizard Waitley costs 2 power to recruit and has a combat of 0. His ability is Clan Patriarch. This is the recruit cultist action. When you recruit a cultist in Wizard Waitley's area, it costs 1 fewer power. That means a 0 cost cultist gains you 1 power. He also has another ability, Magician. It's a pre-battle. If Wizard Waitley is involved in the battle, you can immediately muster an independent Great Old One, neutral monster, terror, cultist, or clan member as if it were the Doom phase, as long as other requirements are met. You pay normal costs unless you control Lavinia. So the first ability, Clan Patriarch. I'm rereading the rules on recruiting the Waitleys. We're in the Doom phase, you're not taking action, so I don't believe you're recruiting Lavinia, for example, for one fewer power. However, if you have any cultists in your pool for whatever reason, they got captured, maybe it's another clan member that got captured, when you go to recruit them again, they are getting the discount. So your normal acolytes of one cost 
they now cost zero power to recruit. That seems amazing to me. There's also a line about zero cost cultists. The only ones I know of here are brain cylinders. I'm not totally sure what's going on with that line of text, but if somebody does know, uh, write me in. Not totally sure about the zero cost offhand. Second ability, Magician, seems pretty spicy. It's using this word muster, which we've not seen before in this game. I'm assuming this is just kind of a catch-all for the different methods of getting any of these things, like neutral monsters, you're summoning them, clan members, you're recruiting them, neutral great old ones, you're awakening them, just a catch-all for all those different things. So yeah, this is a really nice way of getting things out of the pool and into play outside of the Doom phase, I think that's actually very powerful. Especially if there's a bunch of neutrals in the pool, your opponents are not going to really know until they battle you which one you're going to grab. So I like the like uncertainty around this one. I also think this ability becomes extremely dangerous if you also happen to have Lavinia because of that Mother of Monsters ability. Not only will you get to grab something out of the pool, but you're going to be paying half as much for it, which is pretty spicy. Most neutral grade old ones cost on average four power. You're getting that maybe for two. Getting a terror or a monster maybe for one doom and one power as a pre-battle, that seems incredibly powerful. What factions are going to like Old Wizard Waitley? Again, seems like all pretty nice ability. I mean, the clan patriarch, if you're not playing with other neutrals, I think that's still generally useful. Maybe nicer in factions that tend to put cultists in their pool, like Black Goat comes to mind. Maybe a Great Cthulhu who might be devolving their cultists into deep ones. Notably, I don't believe this works with Demon Sultan Psychosis ability because it's not a recruit action. Also, you can only do it in areas without other units, and you need to have Wizard Waitley in the area that you're planning to recruit in. I'm looking forward to seeing this one in play. I'm definitely going to have some spicy neutrals to include, because I really want to see them pop up by surprise. Can you imagine, like, Elder Things showing up in the pre-battle? That seems disgusting and like a disaster for anybody that's trying to plan an attack. If they don't know if that's going to come or not, that seems very fun and chaotic. Alright, let's move on to our third clan member. Wilbur was by this time a scholar of really tremendous erudition in his one-sided way, and was quietly known by correspondence to many librarians in distant places where rare and forbidden books of old days are kept. He was more and more hated and dreaded around Dunwich, because of certain youthful disappearances, which suspicion laid vaguely at his door, but was always able to silence inquiry through fear or through use of that fund of old-time gold, which still, as in his grandfather's time, went forth regularly and increasingly for cattle buying. He was now tremendously mature of aspect, and his height, having reached the normal adult limit, seemed inclined to wax beyond that figure. In 1925, when a scholarly correspondent from Miskatonic University called upon him one day and departed pale and puzzled, he was fully six and three quarters feet tall. Yes, our third clan member is Wilbur Waitley. They did a great job on the sculpt. He's got a big kind of overcoat on type of thing that you would maybe stack a bunch of little kids together in and they'd be in disguise. 
It's just all one guy. He's covering up the fact that his legs have turned into, yikes, some hooves. He's got kind of big, wide arms. They don't really look human anymore. He looks totally adult in the face, got a full beard, but yeah, downstairs, it is not looking very human. They did a really good job of taking the one part in the story where Wilbur goes to Miskatonic to consult the Necronomicon. Some shit happens. He gets attacked by a dog. And the description of his body afterward, I pictured this looking a lot like what happens there. Wilbur's a three-cost cultist with a combat of zero. His ability is Ear in the Gungur. I'm going to call it YNN from here on out, just like I did in the library episode. I have a hard time pronouncing that. In the Doom Phase, if Wilbur is in play, when you perform a Ritual of Annihilation, place a gate from the pool on Wilbur's loyalty card. These gates remain even when Wilbur switches loyalty. He also has another ability, Open the Way. It's a zero-cost action. Take a gate from Wilbur's loyalty card and place it anywhere on the map. So it seems like one of the weirder units in this expansion. You get a gate, but only once you ritual. So maybe if you were going to ritual anyways, and they're still kind of cheap, YNN's pretty nice. The thing that I would caution you over, and then I'll certainly be watching for, is be careful of the turn order. Notably, these cannot change hands multiple times in the same Doom phase, so that's nice. But you got to be careful next turn. If somebody else goes before you, they might be able to buy Wilbur before you get a chance to use Open the Way to put a gate down. I'm thinking if you can do a five or six cost ritual and then like during the action phase, put that gate down, that's probably where you want to be. You figure you saved three power building a gate anyway, and you get to walk in place for a turn. That might be enough to make it worth it, but this one's pretty odd. I definitely want to see this one in play. I'll certainly be trying to make use of the open the way ability myself because I think that one's pretty spicy and interesting. You can place it anywhere on the map, not just where you have units. I don't know why you would want to donate this gate to other people, but you could if you wanted to use some diplomacy that way. What factions like Wilbur? Uh, it's a little tricky to evaluate this one. I'd say probably opener, maybe because you can get the gates out, but Opener also might not want a ritual necessarily early on. Tough call. Probably the Doom-loving factions like the Chocho or the Yellow Sign might like this. They were going to ritual anyway. They probably don't mind getting a bonus gate out of it, even if the ritual was kind of expensive to begin with. Gotta watch for this one. Not sure how this one will actually play out in practice. On paper, it seems a little weird, a little fiddly to get it to work correctly. Let's move on to our last clan member. It was mostly a kind of force that doesn't belong in our part of space. A kind of force that acts and grows and shapes itself by other laws than those of our sort of nature. We have no business calling in such things from outside, and only very wicked people and very wicked cults ever try to. There was some of it in Wilbur Waitley himself, enough to make a devil and a precocious monster of him, and to make his passing out a pretty terrible sight. I'm going to burn his accursed diary. If you men are wise, you'll dynamite that altar stone up there, and pull down all the rings of standing stones on the other hills. 
Things like that brought down the beings those Waitleys were so fond of, the beings they were going to let in tangibly to wipe out the human race and drag the earth off to some nameless place for some nameless purpose. But as to this thing we've just sent back, the Waitleys raised it for a terrible part in the doings that were to come. It grew fast and big from the same reason that Wilbur grew fast and big, but it beat him because it had a greater share of the outsideness in it. You needn't ask how Wilbur called it out of the air. He didn't call it out. It was his twin brother, but it looked more like the father than he did. Our last clan member to discuss is Junior Waitley. He's a terror, he costs four power to recruit, and he has a combat of four. This one looks pretty disgusting. They did a great job getting the outsideness across here. Only a vaguely human face, but otherwise just many, far too many legs uh, to be comfortable with. A big, nasty back. It looks like a ton of like barnacles on the back. Big gaping mouth. There's even like a second face coming out of the head here. And even another eye, uh, several eyes on the face. Ugh, this one is very disturbing looking and creepy. Definitely makes me think of the Dunwich Horror here. And makes me glad that in the story it was mostly invisible most of the time. The ability on Junior is growth in the Doom phase. If Junior is in play, place any loyalty token on his loyalty card. Maybe I would use a D6 or something. These remain even when Junior switches loyalty. And he also has another ability, Transmogrification, zero cost action. If Junior has at least one token on him, roll a die. If the roll is equal to or less than the number of tokens on Junior's loyalty card, replace Junior with any great old one, neutral or faction, ignoring all awakening requirements, including cost. Place Junior back in the pool. Whether or not you succeed, discard one token on Junior's loyalty card. If you recruit a rival's great old one in this way, it remains under their control. So this is the weirdest clan member to me. He's a terror, notably the other ones are cultists, so Junior is not providing you power in the gather power phase. He is a terror though, so he's immune to a lot of spellbooks that target monsters. He doesn't grow until after you recruit him, so I'd maybe want to do that earlier rather than later if you're planning on using this. You figure a game of Cthulhu Wars probably goes like maybe five or six doom phases, so you're going to get maybe five or six maximum on that transmogrification ability. Seems like a bit of a risk-reward thing going on here. Seems to work a little bit like a desecration, but if you fail, you don't really get anything, and you also lose a counter of growth. So I don't know. I kind of really don't want to use this until I have at least three, like a 50% shot of getting something. That being said, it could be pretty nice to be able to get like Narlathotep, for example, on the cheap. You paid four for a junior and then you're able to like zero cost get Narlathotep out. That seems pretty nice, especially if you end up getting unlimited combat. You could maybe like fight and then transmogrify. Would factions like this one? I'm really not sure. I would say the factions with the most expensive great old ones like this the most, but yeah, it's like a big commitment to go into this one. It doesn't have another ability to kind of like level it out and make it super useful. I don't know. The neutral great old ones, 
If you start replacing this with a great old one from the pool, a neutral great old one, they also cost four on average. So if you don't have a lot of them in the pool, I don't think it's going to be super hard to predict what Junior is going to transmogrify into. And then you're walking in place for one turn, but I don't know if you're really getting a lot of advantage out of this one. Though I will say four cost four combat is a pretty good rate and he probably fights pretty well on top of being immune to like invisibility, devour, etc. I'll have to see this one on the table because I'm a little unsure of how good this one is. Now let's move on to our last unit in this expansion is not a clan member. Past, present, future, all are one in Yogg-Sothoth. He knows where the old ones broke through of old and where they shall break through again. He knows where they have trod Earth's fields and where they still tread them, and why no one can behold them as they tread. Our last unit in this expansion, we have Dire Yogg-Sothoth. This one is just a triumph of sculpting. All of these are probably the most detailed sculpts that we've seen in the game so far, and wow. I know I just said in the opener episode that those were the most disgusting units, and whoever sculpted this, you really outdid yourself. Somehow you've made something <laughs> even more gross to look at than Yogg. I don't even know how to describe this. I guess it looks vaguely bug-like, but wow, there's so many tentacles toward the bottom, and it's just like a gross kind of bending... It looks like it's got all kind of muscles and tendons and bubbles and clawed insectile looking arms. It's got a really disgusting head with plenty of other bulbous like tumor looking things that the original Yogg has. There's plenty of eyes on here. It's terrifying to look at. How to Awaken Dire Yogg. It costs six power to awaken. For Opener of the Way, you must have a spawn of Yogg-Sothoth on the map. You'll pay 6 power and replace the spawn with Dire Yogg. This counts as awakening regular Yogg-Sothoth if you haven't already done so. And each other player gains one Elder Sign. For everyone else, you must have a Great Old One in play, as well as your most expensive monster or terror. You're going to pay 10 power minus the cost of your unit, and you're going to replace it with Dire Yogg-Sothoth. And the combat for this unit is equal to the number of enemy-controlled Great Old Ones in play. The ability on this unit is called To Rule Them All. It's a four-cost action. Dire Yogg-Sothoth can capture other Great Old Ones following the same rules as Capture Cultist. Wow. So this one is pretty wild. You can capture other Great Old Ones, which we've never seen something like that before. That's pretty insane. Costs four power to do that, but wow, if you can do it and capture something that costs more than a few power, oof, that seems devastating to whoever is on the receiving end. This reminds me of the neutrals in the massive Narlathotep expansion. Crawling Chaos can recruit them in a bit of a different way than uh, the other factions, so I like that. That's cool. Notably, the combat here, half as much as regular Yogg, so this is not going to roll a lot of dice, though maybe if you're in a higher player count game, you might be able to do such a thing. I'm looking for Demon Sultan and Windwalker, hopefully are in the same game, and maybe I'm rolling more than five dice with this. 
Spellbook requirement for this Great Old One. Your Great Old One is in the same area as two enemy Great Old Ones. That seems pretty tricky to manage, but maybe you're playing with Windwalker, Yellow Sign, Demon Sultan. Hopefully you're playing with Neutrals too. If that's the case, I think you can maybe pull this off, but in a game with not many other Great Old Ones, it might be kind of tricky to actually earn the Spellbook with this unit. But I think that's worth doing. The spellbook is called It Walks Unseen. It's a move action. Whenever you move any other units, you may also move Dire Yog at no additional cost. I think that's very scary ability if you can get the opportunity, especially once you have unlimited combat. The spellbook reminds me a bit of Nyagtha, if you remember from our other episode. Um, you're just saving power every time you move something else. I've said many other times, it's really nice to have like some shields, some meat shields whenever you move your Great Old One into a dangerous area, and Yaga is going to be moving around for free, so it should be a little more cheap to move in. You're really coming for other people's Great Old Ones with this one. Battling's kind of not even important, you really want to capture them. I think in general, people are going to knee-jerk battle you away if they can help it. I don't know, I'm thinking the best use for this is like, you have unlimited combat, you fight with an unlimited battle right away, and you pin yourself into an area with an enemy great old one, that's when you use your normal action for the turn and you take that to rule them all action and capture their great old one right then and there before they can react. This one seems very fun, I definitely want to see this on the table. It seems like it could bring out some salt capturing other people's great old ones, but I'm kind of here for it. I really want to just munch on some Demon Sultan avatars with this and see them cry. That's all that I have. That's all the recording Graham has for now. Hopefully there is a time skip and hopefully some time's passed and I've played with this expansion and I can give you my reaction after playing with it for the first time. So see you soon. Bye. Hi, it's me again. I'm back. It's a couple weeks after the initial recording of the episode, and happy to say I have played a game with Dunwich Horror at this point, and yeah, I will tell you a bit about it. We got together for a four-player game, decided to just play on Earth, and we're using the original four factions, so Cthulhu, Yellow Sign, Black Goat, Crawling Chaos, and just had the Dunwich Horror by themselves. So that was the game. Uh, ended up being a very close game. Crawling Chaos ended up winning with 35 Doom, Cthulhu right behind them with 34, and I as Black Goat and my friend Maggie as Yellow Sign bringing up the back of the pack, but we were also at 31, so it was a pretty tight game. How did the Dunwich units themselves do in the game? The ones that we saw, I thought they all were pretty impactful. Unfortunately, Poor Wilbur never got drafted, so we didn't really get to see him do his thing, but I had Lavinia hanging out in West Africa, pretty much making Shub untouchable for most of the game, or at least not without a lot of fighting. That was pretty nice. I also had recruited Junior, who was growing for me most of the game, hoping I could hatch him maybe into a replacement Shub if I needed to, but it never actually ended up coming up during the game. Thankfully, 
One thing I will say, I was very scared of getting that one stolen basically every Doom phase as soon as I got it. If you have Junior, probably you always want to have a bunch of other units that you also own in the same gated area that Junior might be in. We don't want us to have somebody buy Junior when he's at one of your gates and you might have just like a wimpy, in my case, maybe a ghoul or something hanging around and that's the only other thing you have. Make sure whatever gate you have with Junior is well defended in case he does switch sides on you. The main star of the show in the game we played, I would say, was probably Old Wizard Waitley. I think I already speculated that might be the most overtly powerful one, and I definitely think it was on display there. Cthulhu was making great use of devolving and then using Old Wizard Waitley to zero-cost recruit, even doing a little bit of shotgunning with Absorb and replacing the Acolytes on the cheap. Having those extra zero-cost actions on top of submerged stalling made sure Cthulhu was pretty much the main threat the entire game. Very scary. I was a little jealous. I honestly wanted Wizard Waitley for myself because I was picturing with Black Goat doing some really nasty early on get Wizard Waitley, sacrifice a bunch of your cultists to do things and bring them back maybe next time. Dire Yogg also end up not making an appearance in the game, but not because nobody wanted them. In fact, everybody wanted Dire Yogg. Everyone was constantly discussing, I'm sure internally to themselves, how and when they were going to maybe get it. But the game was such a tight one that nobody could really justify the like seven or eight power they would have needed to spend to get Dire Yogg. So it never ended up happening. I suppose I could have maybe tried to hatch Junior into Dire Yogg as well, but I got Junior pretty early on. I only ended up having like three growth counters on it by the end of the game. So I was still a little skeptical of my chances to actually pop into another great old one, but maybe it will happen in another game. All the abilities aside... I would say just having access to an extra cultist that can generate power for you and control gate for you potentially is just a very good thing to have in general. So yeah, I would if you're playing with Dunwichor, highly prioritize the three human cultists units specifically. Even if you're not using their abilities, like they're just very good. Two power for Lavinia or Wizard Waitley is an absolute steal. Even if they didn't have any other abilities, just think about two gather power phases. If they're under your control, they've paid for themselves. And yeah, that's not counting their abilities, which are very, very impactful and can also help you drive the game forward. Overall, I'm pretty excited about this one. Excited to use it again, I think, with some other neutral units to take full advantage of the abilities. We only had time to play one game, but in the future, I definitely plan to try these again with even more neutrals in the pool so that we can fully see what these units are capable of. Another positive thing I have to say about this would be the complexity was kind of a bit on the lower side, actually. I was pleasantly surprised that these felt a bit more like the High Priest expansion in practice. That's a good thing. Extra cultists are good. They kind of accelerate your game plan a little bit. And these ones have like a bit of a twist on them. They can get captured. They're not like High Priest can just kind of evaporate if you ever were to come capture them. These cannot do that. So that was very interesting too. I think 
there was a lot less switching of control than I thought there would be. And it makes sense. If you have a big pile of your own units and then there's a cultist buried in there, like unlikely somebody's going to buy it out from under you because you'll probably just capture it. One other thing on the cultist controlling gates. Cthulhu had to do this at one point, like have old wizard Waitley control a gate at the end of the action phase. And that actually was very impactful in the game because when the doom phase rolled around, yellow sign was able to buy old man Waitley before they ritualed. So they end up getting an extra gate and an extra point of doom of all for three power. That seems like a pretty good deal. Just getting the one extra doom. It really did matter at the end of the game. I think that's all I have to say. I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but uh, yeah, I will cut this episode short there. Thanks very much for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe if you can. We'd really appreciate it. If you want to send me a message, you can email openingthewaypod at gmail.com or feel free to send me a message on Discord at Kilogram. Until next time, have a nice day, have a nice evening, have a nice morning, wherever it is that you are. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>